Welcome to another episode of DevSec Lead. I have a friend here, Charity Wright. Hey, how's it going, Charity? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on the show today. I'm excited to be here. So, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about where you are now, and um, how did you get into this career of cybersecurity? Sure. Um, well, I started back in 2005. I joined the U.S. Army, and I joined to be a Chinese linguist. Oh. At that point, I had no idea what that really meant, except <laughs> that they were going to teach me Mandarin. So um, a couple years into the program, I was assigned to the National Security Agency in Hawaii, and that's when I found out the classified nature of the work I'd be doing. Mm. And it was really exciting. I spent, um, let's see, five years active duty. I've been in the Army National Guard for five years, all doing intelligence analysis um, and Chinese translation. So that's really how I got into intelligence. And then when I got out of active duty, I decided I'm going to move home to Texas. And when I got to Dallas, I realized there is absolutely no federal agencies that need Chinese linguists here. <laughs> so I had to kind of scramble and go find something. And the first opportunity I got was um, as an intelligence analyst for a cybersecurity company. Okay, so cool. Kind of brings me to what I'm doing now, which is cyber threat intelligence. Okay, cool. Where, where is, um, I guess, what was the company that you worked with and got you started? I think that we were talking a little bit about that. And yeah. how, did, how did they approach you, a Chinese um, linguist? You know, it was interesting because as a veteran, sometimes you feel like lost. You don't mm -hmm. know what your resume is supposed to look like. Do I include a cover letter? Is it okay for me to chase down people that work there? <laughs> so what I did is I searched for intelligence analyst and a job posting came up for Armor Defense. Mm -hmm. They're a local startup. They do secure cloud hosting. And I was a little scared. I know I knew absolutely nothing about cybersecurity at that point. But, you know, I realized I have some transferable skills. I know intelligence. So um, I applied for the job, but I realized that my resume is probably going to fall to the bottom of this stack because of lack of experience. Like out of that entire job posting, I might have qualified on like two out of 10 bullets, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So what I did is I went to LinkedIn. I found a guy that worked at Armor in that same position, and he is an Army veteran as well. And so I reached out to him and I asked him about the job told him about myself. We met in person and then he got me into an interview, uh, which was really so key just to get in front of them because it turns out the entire, uh, let's say, chain of command at that company were all military veterans. Small wonder, right? Small world. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So to backtrack a little bit, now you say you're from Texas, right? So I, whenever I, when I was in the Marines, I had a buddy of mine that went to Texas A&M and he had these boots he had talked about. <laughs> and all he talked about is Texas. They called it God's country. Yes. Why? That <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> we're just very proud people. Like we were our own republic. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Um, you know, we just have a sense of pride, even though every big city in Texas is, is unique and so different from the others. Um, you just feel a kind of like kinship when you meet another Texan. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just always crack up when I whenever I uh, whenever I run into somebody from Texas. I'm like, oh god, here we go. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, go. I try not to be that person. <laughs> People usually don't know because I don't really have like a Texas accent or drawl, but, um, you know, get a couple beers of me and it'll come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always crack up about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Focus, focus, focus. So yeah. now you're, you were a linguist, you got into cyber threat intelligence. How did that, so how did that work out? I mean, how did you transfer those skills to going into, you know, armor, armor defense? And then how, how did it get to where you are now? You're all over the place. I see you on social media all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of hard work and really just a passion for intelligence. Um, the first year was a lot of learning. It's like learning a new language. Mm-hmm. I sat next to the SOC and I had a great mentor, Dr. Chase Cunningham. Um, he is a Navy veteran and a PhD in cyber and he sat next to me. So I had great mentorship, great leadership and I attended all the meetings that I could. I listened, I took a lot of notes and asked a lot of questions. So the first couple of years was like really learning cyber threats and how to analyze the cyber world, uh, network defense. Mm-hmm. Um, from Armor, I was hired into Hilton Worldwide to uh, establish their cyber threat intelligence team, which was a huge challenge because it's such a large organization. Um, but that was great. Got a lot of experience analyzing malware there. <laughs> and then from there, I went to Ernst & Young, which is a global organization. Um, and I worked on their internal cyber threat intel team, CTI team. Um, and it was much more mature. So it gave me the opportunity for a couple of years to learn what a mature CTI team looks like and those processes. So I've had um, varied experiences that led me to where I'm at now, which is insights, cyber intelligence, and really the jump from doing enterprise security to a vendor was we used to consume dark web threat intelligence Mm -hmm. at the enterprises. And we never had access to the original sources. And, you know, I know Chinese, so I want to see the original Chinese. I want to know if I'm, you know, translating it right. Um, So I just decided, you know what, if I have to go to a dark web intelligence company to get into that cool cybercrime community, that's what I'm going to do. So March of 2019, I came to Insights and just dove in headfirst into cyber criminal forums and marketplaces and trying to collect all the things on uh, what hackers are doing and who they're targeting in that environment. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's really crazy. I'm just listening to your story. I was like, you went from this to, you know, the hospitality industry, and then you went to mm-hmm. a consulting firm, and now you're, you know, you're doing this for uh, a vendor. It's just like, wow, you've got a lot of experience, and that's really cool to see. And then. Uh, just for some of the listeners that, you know, you don't have a technical background, which is also really, really cool because everybody's like, oh yeah, you need a technical background to be in cybersecurity. But, you know, here, here's case in point right here. You're, you were a Chinese linguist and now you're applying that to look at the cool criminal activity or group <laughs> on the yeah. dark web, right? Yeah. 
you know, on that point, I think it's important for everybody to understand what your strengths are. I really believe that you have to focus on what you love and what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Find that sweet spot in your career and chase that down. Even if it takes a couple of years and a lot of hard work, like for me, I, I did security plus uh, training at the beginning, but network security was really difficult for me. And I actually failed the test a couple of times, Mm -hmm. Um, but I kept going and I kept wanting to learn. Um, And I think that's what keeps driving me forward. Um, But eventually I was able to grow and find a place where they value my education, which is international relations and Chinese. And now I can use it to kind of analyze strategic level intelligence, like global aspects. Um, How are data privacy laws changing the threat landscape? How are interactions between Venezuela and neighboring countries increasing cybercrime in that community and and subjects like that? So I kind of, uh, I lucked out. I feel very blessed to have found um, a position where I get to do what I love and what I'm passionate about and I get to grow. And I encourage everybody to find what you love. Yeah, no, this is uh, an amazing story and I I appreciate you uh, kind of telling telling us that. So I was reading your over your LinkedIn profile and we wanted to talk a little bit about mental health and anxiety and depression, PTSD. And, you know, um, for, for those that don't know, like I, I have my own struggles with PTSD, anxiety and depression just due to what happened to me in, in Afghanistan. And I know you, you write about it in in cybersecurity, but it's something that's kind of taboo, right? Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to talk about mental health. I mean, it's kind of like in social media where it's just like, oh yeah, we need to take care of each other, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, are we we actually doing it? And Mm -hmm. your story here, um, the article is called Hidden in Plain Sight, Anxiety in Cybersecurity. You kind of talked a little bit about some of your struggles. Uh, Would you care to elaborate a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I wrote the article during a period of depression when I I tend to be a little more introspective and I started looking around and realizing like who has been there for me to help me through my struggles and even though the article focuses on anxiety and panic attacks uh, anxiety and depression um, tend to go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't even realize that they're experiencing anxiety until it culminates into like a breakdown or uh, some kind of addiction you know binge drinking or or whatever. And so I wrote the article to bring awareness to everybody that they're not alone, that even those of us that are more in the public spotlight, we experience those things too. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, especially during my two years at Ernst & Young, I worked from home full-time remote and it, it became very lonely and I became very isolated. And I find that with depression, it's a vicious cycle. You want to kind of keep to yourself. You don't want to bother other people with your problems, but that's really unhealthy. And we have to open ourselves up a little bit. Sometimes it's good to get out of the house and be in an office environment with other people if you have the option. Um, And you never know who could like brighten your day or or be there as a support. And so during those two years, my depression really hit its peak. And I was seeking therapy, uh, especially for PTSD, which was related to um, 
actually is my my PTSD is related to military sexual trauma, uh-huh. uh, which is a, unfortunately it's an epidemic in the military mm-hmm. today in the U.S. military. And so um, I had a lot of help during that time coping, um, but I did tend to isolate myself and I became very unhealthy. Um, I developed a drinking problem where I wasn't drinking every day and I wasn't drinking on the job, but when I did drink at night or on weekends with friends, I was, you know, binge drinking and it got to a point where I felt like I could lose everything that I had if I wasn't more careful. So I admitted myself to um, outpatient rehab Mm -hmm. and I was lucky enough to have support from work. Um, You know, I didn't have to tell anybody what was going on. They gave me um, short-term disability and I went for eight weeks and, and got myself straight, got my head straight and wrapped myself around sobriety and, um, what I needed to do to focus on my health. How about, how about anxiety in cybersecurity? Now mm-hmm. we live in a alert overload world, right? And we're just, yes. we're just getting a whole bunch of reports here. We're getting a whole bunch of, you know, uh, hits and you got, you know, the, your senior executive staff breathing down on you. You have vendors that are always bothering you for different things. And you've got different <laughs> stakeholders just trying to zap. All, well, I wouldn't I would say trying to zap all your energy, but it, the reality is, is that they are zapping all of your energy away. And, you know, how do you how do you deal with that? Right? Um, I think, yeah, that's a that's a good point. We do live in this very interconnected world where we're constantly on our toes, um, either trying to protect against a data breach or in the middle of an incident. Mm -hmm. And um, that is the same kind of chronic stress, you know, that we were talking about earlier. It's like, you're always triggered, you're always on guard. Um, A lot of people have trouble sleeping at night. Like my phone, I always have next to my bed in my work emails, like the last thing I check before I go to sleep. And um, a lot of us are working with global teams. So if somebody in India or Israel is sending me an email, I might be tempted to answer at midnight when I should be trying to go to sleep. Um, So the way that I have found to cope with it is just to try to create balance in my schedule. like schedule in me time and make sure that I have a cutoff time for my family in the afternoon. Um, You know, I've struggled with that and I'm a single mother of two kids ages nine and 10. And I I hear this a lot from parents is that sometimes we just feel disengaged from our own family. And I think finding that balance to be able to focus on your kids when you have them with you and put work aside, I think that's really important. And I know not everybody can do that, but um, as leaders in cybersecurity, I think it's very important for us to make sure that our employees understand 
that they can log off and spend time with their family, that they can have a weekend to themselves, that they can take PTO, which is very important Mm -hmm. to actually just shut down email and chat and go take a vacation with your, your family or friends. Um, And we as leaders have to set that example. If you tell your team to take vacation, but you never do, or you're always online all the time, that tells them that they need to be online all the time, that, you know, maybe the boss expects that of me. So it's important for us as leaders to set that example. But honestly, it's a struggle (laughs) to find that balance. It's easy to say, cut yourself off at a certain time. But for um, a lot of organizations, especially startups, we're just always on the go. So it's, it's a daily thing. It's a choice. (laughs) Yeah. So I think one of the things that's helped me out because I am a chronic worker and my wife will tell you that, that I just love to work and love to work is, um, well, she keeps me in balance by, you know, smacking me on the back of the head and making sure that I (laughs) do what I need to do for the family. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, you take the kids, take the kids to church, take the kids here, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, 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 I'll do it. But one of the things that um, personally that's helped me is put my phone in like do not disturb mode from 10 to 6 a.m. Yep. Right. Because like I've, I've got I got uh, colleagues that I work with in the Philippines and they're always asking me stuff. But they also know that, yeah, if you have an idea, just go ahead and send to me. My phone is on do not disturb mode. Uh-huh. So it won't ring. So don't worry about it. But that's helped me just like not like pick up the phone like when I hear a ding mm-hmm. you know um, I, it's I think, almost like a trigger for us it's like we're trained to respond to that ding that notification <laughs> yeah 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 and then my my wife also helps me out with just like smacking me and saying you put your turn off your <laughs> turn off your phone it's, it is good to have accountability oh my yeah my kids will do that they'll oh, be yeah. like mom <laughs> mom I'm talking to you and I'm like oh my gosh I'm sorry and let me turn off my phone yeah. Because I'm obviously too distracted. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right, though, with the um, the whole if your boss is always online and tells you to, like, you know, take a break and you're, you know, you're you're looking at them and they're they're working all the time. Mm-hmm. That doesn't set a good example. But, you know, I could understand because I've been there. Right. I'm just like, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, take a break, take a break, take a break. But then I'm not taking a break. And and I have to remember that not just my family is looking at me, but my my subordinates, my teammates are looking at me and saying, hey, yeah, you know, you need to take a break. And I'm open enough and honest enough with my team that where I, I just say, if I am doing something that is annoying you or, you know, it's it's counter to what I've been telling you, please just tell me. Right. Right. Because they, I mean, I have that kind of trust with them. Just like, hey, yeah, if, hey, you're online all the time. You need to take a break. And I'd be like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My, um, when I get triggered by stress, I tend to get really fatigued. Like depression shows up for me as like really bad fatigue. So it's like a constant battle. Like, Oh, I want to go back to bed. I want to go back to bed. Or like, I just don't want to get out of bed. Um, luckily kids, you know, keep me accountable to getting Mm -hmm. up every morning, but, (laughs) um, I have to like recognize that, like, okay, I'm not sick. Why am I tired right now? 
I'm stressed out? Do I need to um, go exercise or do I need to journal, go take a walk with the dogs or whatever? Um, everybody has their, their little ways to cope. Um, but for me, especially during sobriety, I had to really focus on uh, finding alternative stress relievers, mm-hmm. which was a great exercise for a couple of months. And I was actually sober for six months and now I'm, I'm in a much healthier place where I can drink in moderation more. But I, you know, I have to monitor those stress triggers because that's what drives my um, binge drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The so- doctors described it as like, I just don't have an off switch. So some people struggle with with that type of drinking behavior. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand. Yeah. So we, you talked about me time. What does me time consist of other than, you know, the family? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? I really enjoy acting. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I really enjoy acting. So it's always been a dream of mine to get back into that. Um, like in the past, I've written my own monologues and, and you know screenplays. So I'm really trying to focus on that during my me time. Sometimes I'll just go up to Starbucks, put on some headphones and music and just start writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy film and movies so much. So I love going to see new films and stuff. I guess it's, it's a kind of escapism. Um, but I try to keep it in a healthy way where I'm not like binging TV and movies all the time, but I'm using it as kind of a inspiration for my own writing and my own acting. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I also have a small business on the side. Oh, yeah? Uh, I make wreaths, like wreaths that you hang on your front door. Oh, that's cool. But for like every season. And it's called Wonder Woman Wreaths. And um, nice. I donate 20% of all um, sales to local nonprofits that help homeless women veterans. So that's kind of like my love project on the side. And I've got a workshop in my garage and I'll just, you know, it's a kind of a creative outlet too. And I never really was a crafty person. So it's kind of weird for me, but um, I have a knack for it and people love the wreaths. So um, that's something I enjoy to do as well. No, that's really cool. I mean, um, off off the recording, we talked about the different ways that, you know, we could have me time is one is like, you know, being creative with the arts, you know, you're doing that with the wreaths. I do it with playing piano. And mm-hmm. then, and then there's uh, the physical aspect as well as like going to work out and dealing with anxiety that way, like kickboxing, mm-hmm. Muay Thai, you know, and if you really want to haze yourself, just go to CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I tried that for a little while. I was like, y'all are crazy. I think you'll forget. <laughs> I think you'll forget everything. You'll just be like, why, why, why did I, why did I even do this? <laughs> I mean, much respect. Um, I love weightlifting, but that's a little intense for me. (laughs) I had enough of that in the military. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I'm just like, man, I'm paying for this. (laughs) (laughs) For torture. (laughs) Yeah, now I just pay to be tortured on the mat and do jujitsu. <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> that's, cool. that's pretty cool though. You get to throw, throw people around and it's just like, Hey, yeah. High fives. Uh, good job. Good choke. <laughs> it, re- it really is weird. Honestly, 
it's so weird. But um, like I prefer stand up kickboxing. I love punching and kicking something, especially if I'm super stressed out. I'll just go hit the bag for an hour. Mm-hmm. But jujitsu has been a great challenge for me personally because of the nature of my trauma. It's been therapeutic to be in a safe environment with respectful people and learn how to defend myself um, in a very physical way. So it's it's been good for me. No, that's awesome. I know a lot of veterans love jujitsu too. MMA, jujitsu. We just like yep. to punch things and you know, <laughs> throw things around and give each other high fives and be like, that's a good arm bar, blah, 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 right. good wrist lock. <laughs> and uh, I think all the other, uh, everybody else is just like, what in the world? You guys are crazy masochists and sadists. We probably are. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. So we're wrapping up with our time. Um, You know, we talk about leadership. We talk about, you know, mental health. You know, we have like 30 seconds. What what's something that you would, you know, want to convey to the audience that would inspire us to improve ourselves? Oh, man. Um, Take every good opportunity that comes to you. Uh, A few years ago, I didn't have very much going for me, and I made a pact with God that any good thing that came my way, I would say yes to and just face the fears that I had. And that has taken me so far in my career and in my personal life. So definitely take, uh, take the open doors, walk through the door. Thank you so much for your time, Charity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. You too. Hey, if you like this episode, Please subscribe, share with your friends, and you know let them know what's going on and what we're trying to do here. Um, another thing, another important announcement is um, I'm developing a course called Finding Your Career in Cybersecurity, and it's it's meant to help veterans and transitioning military explore those careers in cybersecurity and getting them from the transitional period of I'm in the military, I need to find something new to walking in the door with your first job in cybersecurity. So if you want to check it out, go to www.juncyber.com, junecyber.com, and you know, see what it's all about. Again, thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you next time.